Welcome to a podcast with Aaron Schultz. Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thank you so much for joining in. Now, living life with an outback mind means to be relaxed, calm, less tense, less stressed, less anxious. I think that's available to all of us. We just need to practice mindfulness on a daily basis, practice being calm on a daily basis, practice meditation, doing things which gets us balanced again, not stressed, tense and anxious. That's not the way we're meant to be. So um, live life with an outback mind, stay calm, stay content, stay grounded as much as you possibly can. Today we have a special guest by the name of Ilya Grigic. Uh, now, some of you may know uh, Ilya as being a Western Bulldogs or a Footscray Ruckman back in the 80s, I think it was. Um, tremendous footballer, really big, uh, strong guy, big leader. Um, and we're going to talk a bit about his footy career today, but also what he's done since then um, with regards to his roles in leadership. He's had some successful um, uh, roles, but also businesses himself, um, you know, guiding and teaching others and coaching others. But also we're going to talk about men's health and mental health and challenges he may have experienced experienced himself but also others around him within the business world and also in football and uh, everything in between so i'm sure you're going to enjoy this chat uh, if you'd like to jump on our website check it out outbackmind.org.au uh, if you'd like to maybe become a partner of ours we're looking for uh, partners that can help us um, you know to I suppose, support more guys throughout regional Australia to do um, mental health awareness, uh, teach mindfulness practices, but also do domestic violence prevention. So we really uh, are keen to uh, to partner up, up, up with the right organisations that can give us a hand to uh, get out there and spread the word and the word that we're doing. So appreciate if you'd like to reach out to me, support at outbackmind.org.au. Thanks for listening in. Hope you enjoy the chat. G'day, Ilya. How are you? Pretty good, mate. We've just had like a lengthy chat off air, <laughs> so we, we're going to do it all again now. But I'm looking forward to reminiscing it uh, once more, mate. And um, I, uh, I actually uh, made a mistake when I um, when I did the introduction here. I said that you were playing back in the '80s, but it just turns out you're only 51, the same age as me. And I thought you'd be nearly 60 now. So, <laughs> yeah, don't age me any older than I have to. <laughs> Unbelievable, mate. Oh, yeah, you just yeah, you seemed older because you're a a big guy in that, but uh, there you go, mate. Interesting. How, how the hell did you get into footy back in the day? Well, look, I had a very um, – yeah, it is an interesting story. Well, I keep saying it's interesting and the kids are getting bored of it, but um, I was fortunate enough I was playing school footy at my school I was at in Melbourne and um, I got into footy there because the school footy coach was the school cricket coach, Warren Fall, and he saw me kicking the ball at the end of one – Cricket search and training, and I, I can catch. Look, I could catch and I could kick, and I was probably six four, six five then, back in year what would have been year eleven. Um, and so the cricket coach told me I had to play footy for the school. So from there, a couple of seasons there, and we were in um, zoned in back in those days, under nineteen. So we were zoned in Richmond and Melbourne's area because I went to Melbourne High, and 
when I was there at school, a couple of the scouts came, and then as soon as they knew, because I was born and bred in Yarraville, and I was still living there and commuting to the school in South Yarra, but me, the scouts said, oh, don't worry about it, there's no chance, you, you've got to go to Footscray. And so my footy coach, Warren Fall, said, we've got to devise a plan to get you in front of the scouts somewhere at Footscray. So you've got no idea. They're not going to look in that Waverley Junior Football League. <laughs> um, so how do we get them there? So um, this is where the story, where I actually one day walked up to, uh, who was it, the office? I think Betty was at the front desk um, and walked up the stairs. I was in my school uniform, so tie and blazer, and uh, said, can I just talk to someone about... Basically, I went there on the premise of trying to get some footy boots, which I did need, just trying to find out where I can get size 14 or 15 footy boots. And then um, Gary Merrington and Gary O'Sullivan came out and got chatting with them. They hooked me up with EJ Senior over at Adidas. So I was able to get boots, and then ultimately they had a look at me play football at a school game um, back in the old Herald Sundays. Um, so we used to play against Assumption and all that, wow. all that sort of stuff. And then um, I think they saw a couple of games and said, OK, it might be something that could be useful. Um, and then uh, by the end of the year, played an exhibition. Well, what they had was sort of like an under-17s side. Um, they brought a few youngsters together and happened to play with Ron Smith, um, who was probably certainly a lot more better, than, a lot better than I and ended up with an awesome career. Um, and so we played in that exhibition game and then I think we played a game in the under-19s that year. Um, they just needed some numbers and then I went into the under-19 squad the following year, um, basically straight out of year 12 into first year of uni and um, training under Nubby Clark. Mm, amazing, mate. Jeez. I, I was always captivated by your name because it wasn't a common, you know, Bob Bob Smith or Rowan Smith or buddy, uh, you know, Bob Murphy. It was just something different. I, I've always been intrigued by your background. Is it Russian? Is it Yugoslavian? Or uh, So, look, it's, yeah, it's from the Yugoslav group so it's a croatian background um and certainly my parents emigrated out what was it dad came in 69 and mum came out in 71 so i was on the first generation so i've got four elder brother you know siblings two brothers and two sisters um they were all born overseas but the family sort of came in that um but i don't even think we were ten bob um poms in the sense of ten bob um europeans because i don't think they got any money to come out um they just um, I don't understand the um, the challenges you must face to say, I've just got to leave a whole country, leave my family, and then we're going to go and just develop a whole new life. But they did. Yeah. Um, my dad was out here for two years earlier, um, setting up for the family, I think maybe causing a bit of ruckus out in Footscray and the old pubs there and the Royal and those sorts of things. But I think he ultimately kept his nose out of trouble enough. Um, and, yeah, and then the family came back together and then I was probably the reunion, and um, yeah, the, the rest is history, but yeah, always born and bred and lived in Yarraville, and saw the changes through Yarraville, obviously, large ethnic background, um, the factory down the end of our street was where my mum worked, um, and yeah, it was a uh, born and bred Western Suburbs boy, and still there now, so True. probably only, oh, probably not even two k's, well, probably two k's away from where the family home is, was. Mm, amazing, mate, like I... Yeah, just, you know, um, as I mentioned, I've been a Bulldog supporter since I was about four and um, I never had any connection with the Western Suburbs, but it was always obviously a working class, grassroots, um, um, you know, area and uh, it was always sort of 
frowned upon from, uh, I suppose, the upper echelon of the uh, the AFL teams back in the day, you know, Collingwood, Carlton, Nissen and all those types. And um, you know, I really admire guys like yourself that actually stuck with them and, um, and you know, played out your footy career pretty much there. But um, what was it like back in the day when you went there, when you initially started? Who were some of the, the bigger names that were around? Oh, look, um, I was lucky for them in the early 90s. You had guys like Scotty Wine, um, Simon Atkins, the Hawk was there, um, Steve Wallace, um, Steve mm. McPherson. I, my locker was next to Steve McPherson's when I first started, 27 and 28. Mm. I was all ch- so I was a sandwich in between him, and then I had <laughs> Granny next to me too, so I had a very good relationship, friend, close friendship with Chris. Um, but really, the, you know, all these big names, Peter Foster, and you still see these guys around them. Been going to a few of the past players' functions and seeing even went last weekend, which was great. And we got Jason Watts back, who had a you know had a stellar few years that you know worked out great in the mid nineties. Um, but you, it's like anything, you, any group, whether it's a working environment or club, and football clubs have a different level of passion, which we know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not big organisations. If you talk about compared to the corporate world, they're not turning over hundreds of millions of dollars or anything like that, but they've got a funny way of infecting the, the community, which is great. Um, and it's certainly lovely to see that passion out there um, and also have been able to see the, the way that you get the camaraderie in with those players and then with supporters after the games when they used to come into the rooms, mm-hmm. which is great fun. Yeah, but you, you you probably reasonably successful back then. You're sort of on the up bar uh, from the Bulldogs, I suppose, uh, I suppose less um, less uh, competitive days of the eighties. I was starting to sort of come good when you when you first started there. Yeah, look, so we're building up. So you had the ninety two finals period. So then then we got into ninety three, ninety four, ninety four finals played in that one and those couple of games was injured during the games. Um, ninety five, ninety six was sort of tapering. Um, so went through unfortunately a few coaches. Then I finished, I left at the end of 96 and then sort of missed the 90, 97, 98 sort of rebirth um, that happened. And then unfortunately another bit of a dip thereafter or thereabouts until really it, it, it sort of stayed thereabouts and always was close but not quite getting to the, you know, the upper echelons once um, Bevo came on board and were able to um, the miraculous stuff that they did in 2016. Turn things around, yeah. How many games did you play from memory? Uh, so I, I was doing some stats the other day because I made a, um, we gave Jason Watts a um, community jumper um, the other night, um, and I what was sixty seven games at the Dogs, um, but uh, yeah, which was look it was great. Look, there's I played a lot of twos games. I think I played sixty odd twos games as well. Um, it's one of those things. Um, you look on look back on it. I I believe I am really proud of what I did, but. Like anything, you can always go back with hindsight. I could have done more, could have got more out of it, yeah. possibly. But, geez, I enjoyed my life. Um, so mm. I'm happy with where I ended up. And, yeah, it would have been great to have got more things done. But in the end, I ended up with, a, you know, I think a great balance of life and been able to enjoy it. And I must admit, I don't know if I'd really enjoy the structure that they have now. Just be, I like flexibility and a bit of um, a bit of ability to do varied numerous things and Certainly today in the football world, it's pretty full on. So I don't know if I'd, I would have got too bored of it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, certainly. I, I, I congratulate you for being able to transition out and get into a career that you enjoy. But 
It's interesting. I did an event on the weekend with Darius Boyd, who's an ex NRL player, and he had some mental health yep. issues, but he had nothing outside of football, you know, and that's that's pretty common uh, for athletes, I, I suppose, in general, being attached to the identity and everything goes into that. And there was also one guy on the panel. Uh, he was, uh, you know, a semi amateur player, but he's got a you know a great balance like you have with a professional career. And um, we sort of, I don't like to compare, but we looked at the two and where they are at various stages, and where they are at the same stage, but various ages of their life. And, um, you know, this young guy is miles ahead of where Darius was because he's got the, um, that, that, that to fall back on. And if his footy finishes, then he's, he's already got another thing to engage with. Whereas if you're too sort of, you know, connected and, and in that in that zone, once it's sort of taken away, it can really depress a lot of people. It's very much like being a professional in the workplace where you're putting everything into it. And then once that's gone, you've got nothing. So I think balance is really key, as you mentioned. It, it is. And I think, Aaron, one of the things to sort of build on that is no matter how much balance you have, you know, none of us like rejection. I don't care. Not so many people I've spoken to. And my snap polls, no one likes to be rejected. And, yeah, you know, football can be an extremely tough business. Um, you know, being told you're not wanted, no matter how nicely you're told that, not wanted or you're getting traded or you're getting delisted, it, it, it hurts. And mm. having the right coping mechanisms being taught how to deal with it, then our day wasn't that good. On I was lucky that I had other avenues and I was taught that through other, you know, whether it was uni or I had other things to be able to focus on. Um, one of the good things has improved i think they are educating guys better and the female footballers too because it's no different for them now mm-hmm. you know we build these elite athletes up to be our stars and then we're pretty quick to discard them too so um i i hope we you know and that happens in professional life and not in just in life mm-hmm. you know we can be built up whether it's in a workplace and then all of a sudden someone's made redundant or they've been changed jobs and it's a big effect and Having coping mechanism, being taught how to deal with that, it's crucial. And mm-hmm. look, I think I was lucky that I had that. I didn't. Wasn't so. I, was, I think I was gifted that. It wasn't a case I, I had a lot of time spent on it. I had some time. I might have done it subconsciously in work I was doing and the ways I was doing it. But I think we can't leave it just to by chance anymore. And we just got to really focus on it because um, it, it's a big thing, and particularly in professional athlete, athletes, it's a huge thing because we put them on such a high pedestal, and it's even worse now. I mean. My day, you know, I've got great grounding in my family. My son, the other day when we went to a game, he was more than happy to say, shit, I didn't believe you were that famous. I go, well, not. Some guy said, oh, I remember you playing. Yeah, yeah but I didn't think anyone would recognise you. <laughs> I go, well, okay, your dad isn't, wasn't that shit then, was he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's not that many six-foot-four uh, big guys uh, around, but uh, usually if they do see one, they'll probably uh, think back a little bit <laughs> on who it might be. So. Yeah. Mate, um, but it's quite funny. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I was going to mention, um, uh, you know, with, with that identity thing, like I was made redundant twice uh, in my 20, late 20s and 30s, probably 30s I think it was, and, and I dealt with it with alcohol both times because I just lost, lost my sense of purpose. Uh, I put everything yeah. into these roles that I had, like reasonably senior roles, and did really well and just through various circumstances were just given – you know, uh, the pink slip and, uh, and given no support around that felt totally worthless and, um, and felt really rejected and, and, un- and unworthy, you know, because I- I'd done so much and-, and created so much, but then it gets taken away from you. And um, that's a terrible feeling. It really is. And um, 
that I think that's 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 pretty common uh, a common emotion a lot of guys feel. Um, you know, sometimes because we do face rejection, whether that be through a partner, you know, leaving us or breaking up or, um, you know, in various forms, um, you know, some form of disconnection. And we've just got to watch that. And I think one thing that I never did back then was reach out to others when um, I, uh, I I should have because I felt shameful uh, to do so and felt unworthy, as I mentioned. But I don't think it's the case anymore. I think these days things are a bit different and it's certainly, you know, perfectly, perfectly fine to do so. I think the challenge is, Aaron, it's still a case with gentlemen. And, and I, look, I, I just don't interact a lot with, uh, I suppose, females of different genders on on this conversation. But um, certainly with guys um, and being one and knowing that we will struggle, particularly our age bracket and above. You know, I've just finished the project that I've been working on for 12 months and it's not a case of I didn't get a thank you or anything like that. We had great results, but it's still... I feel the rejected. Oh, this, I'm not staying for another project. So you're going to deal with it, and it's um, it's a challenge. And you're right; it's it's still happening, and people. It's not going away because rejection, and it's not. I mean, we use the word rejection, but the change, um, in a lot of cases when it's unexpected, is a huge thing to deal with. Mm. Oh, for sure, mate, absolutely. But it's something we're not prepared for, you know. Well, no, we're not taught. We yeah, we yeah. taught everything's going to stay the same all the time, forever. Yes, <laughs> yep. Uh, it's important. I know you're on on a board of a, a school down there. It's probably something that needs to go into the curriculum because, uh, yeah, it's certainly not in the. Uh, well, it is. Uh, if you think of, look, think about a life of a teacher. Well, I, was, I was actually at a school soccer game last night. that some played in the you know, the year twelves. The the soccer side played in a night game against another school. I was talking to a teacher and. We just went through, she hadn't seen my son since he, well, he's been around, but she just realised, oh, he's going into year 12. And she said, I taught him in year six or five, forgotten which one. So she's going, jeez, I haven't seen him for six years. Okay, but your whole life is about change as a teacher because you've got one group of kids for one year and then, okay, out they go. You've got another group next year. Yes. And I go, bloody hell, that must be so challenging. <laughs> um, and I get stressful, whatever you want to use, but it must be so challenging build all this up and then you've got the down yes there's a euphoria i've got a new breed coming in but sometimes you don't want you you don't want you you just want what i had before mm. so it's all around us um and it's i suppose the great thing you're doing and trying to help with mindfulness of guys and what what this is doing in the outback is trying to teach there is constant change nothing stays the same mm. the only thing that we can control is and i'm sure you've said this amount i've read it in your post the only thing you can control is the fact that there is going to be change and how you deal with it. Mm. Um, and that's the tools we've got to learn. Um, yes. Rather than trying to manage that you don't have any change ever because that's just not, unfortunately, that's not reality. Yes, uh, absolutely, mate. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, uh, we sort of go into life uh, with rose-coloured glasses, but um, when, when things like that happen, it can really blindside us, you know, and um, it's a really important part of this conversation to, you know, help this is... Uh, appreciate and understand that there will be a change but I guess to have the balance in the middle of that and, and the stability within yourself to be able to you know ride through any of that sort of stuff so I think I think it's really important when we're vulnerable or too vulnerable or we're we're um, you know volatile within ourselves and potentially um, we can react to those sort of situations but if you're quite grounded within yourself I think it can uh, it can help you um, you know move through any any challenge or change that sort of you know gets in your way. Yeah, I think one of the big things, and I think this is part of the message that this this car, podcast and other conversation you have here, is that okay, that's 
all good and well if you can do it by yourself, but yeah. fundamentally, we're not that, you know, we're a community-based species. We love community. Yeah. So sharing it is the greatest power. And look, I'm fortunate that I've got a great partner that can help me through that and keeps me grounded to that degree. But I have mates too that I share certain things. Uh, but there, there's some people that don't have that. So how do we create the community where they've got that comfort and, you know, seeing the, you know, the round table, the round circle conversation, all sorts, or just reaching out to people is one of the greatest things that we've got to start doing. Yeah, agree. No, that's true. What we're, what we're experiencing up here since I've been up in this area is these, you know, setting up these men's circles where guys can come along. It doesn't matter where they're from, what their background is, and just to be able to have the conversations which are, you know, quite deep, which is something that guys um, don't know how to do very well. We're not educated to express. We're educated to suppress emotions, you know. Uh, once you once you start to express how you're going, good or bad or whatever it is, it's amazing how much better you feel, you know. But it's, it's funny how we just... Um, we, we just block that from, from, from being made available. And I, I think it's just like the gym or anything with your fitness, it's that, it's that preventative maintenance, which is really important. And, um, you know, to be able to, to, to do things, to be able to, to, to speak openly and honestly, I think it's really important too because women do it very well, but guys don't do it very well at all. And I'm sure back in the footy days, you know, if you had something going on, you probably would have struggled to possibly talk about it with the playing group. But... I think it's probably a bit different these days as well. Yeah, no, and I hope it is, and I think they are. They seem a lot. Look, I, I must admit, I, I struggle with how happy they are, and this is just my makeup. How happy they are straight after a game, and they're still shaking hands. I'll still try to kick the guys when uh, we're <laughs> leaving the field. But look, it's actually it is a good thing. It's a better thing that they're dealing with loss and they're dealing with that. Mm. Um, it, but yeah, my way is no my by no means my old way is not by no means the right way, but I'm just saying me changing, they're, they're evolving, which is great. You know, I even heard, you talk about that sort of isolation and how guys deal with things. There, there was a really good article, what, what paper it was or what I, whether it was just online. I read about a person that had trans, transgendered from female to male and once they were in the male gender environment and how they were, you know, how they were treated and how they felt, they were very clear that they didn't realise how isolating being a male is mm. because we are so inward-looking, inward-focused as males because we bottle everything up. Yeah. And yeah. the individual said they, they just struggled with that transition from female to male where you know, females will talk, you know, not all of them, this is very generalised, I know, but they're used to sharing all of these things from... You know, very minute details to the big picture stuff. Whereas guys are, you know, our our men's circle was go to the pub and you have a couple of beers and then yeah. you really wouldn't talk about anything. You just talk about footy, and that's when you thought you were bonding. Yeah. But um, the iteration that you're setting up there and you know multiples around the country, and we just got to get a greater penetration. Got to get it sooner. Yeah, well said, mate. Now it's interesting. Um uh, I'm sure you know she'd be happy for me to talk about this, but I know obviously Dean Lady was Dean Lady was an ex AFL player that transitioned, and um, what I've observed there is the ability to be able to express emotions freely. Whereas if he was still you know uh, a male, then certainly that was not possible, or you know it should have been possible but wasn't, and um, um, that's one thing that I really admire about. What she's done is to be able to to transition and be open on it and honest about it, and um, 
you know, that's, that's a very interesting uh, subject for, 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 for listeners to observe. But um, I just think people that have got something un- underneath or inside them they really want to do with their life, you know, go and do it or, or you know, move into the, the lifestyle that you want to, you know, want for yourself and you want to create. We don't want to see people moving through life and then, you know, wishing they had have done something else or whatever. It's a great um, moment in time now to be able to, you know, shift into whatever it actually is that, that makes you feel good and lights you up. And, um, um, you know, I think that's a great, um, a great testament for the change of um, uh, the way we perceive ourselves as humans, um, you know, for that particular situation. But, um, you know, maybe 20 years ago, that would not have been possible. No, it would certainly... Certainly, it would have been a lot harder in the environment that was around those. And so, look, there's like anything. There's a balance around. You've got a not everything that we used to do twenty years ago was bad either. So we don't completely, and not everything that was done fifty years ago is bad. So it's finding that right balance about um, giving everyone the space and and creating the space for people to be able to make their own choices and do what they want to do. Um, we all still have responsibilities to not only ourselves but to each other. So it's it's making sure we don't go completely one way like we didn't want it completely the other way, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm interested to hear when you were playing and obviously since then, I think your mental health from what I see has been pretty good, um, you know, throughout. But um, did you see you know, guys struggling um, within the sporting realm, um, you know, and throughout your professional career that... Uh, obviously, you know, may have may have had some significant challenges, but um, uh, you know, struggle with those sorts of you know situations and moments in their life. Look, I, um, sadly, probably one my awareness was a lot lower back in those days. Um, so uh, we were probably we certainly weren't taught how to look out for things, and certainly the environment, uh, you know testosterone fueled football club was not the best place to show vulnerabilities <laughs> um, but but which is great that things are changing so you know, we we're talking off here about tom boyd and everything he's done i think not just for professional athletes but for people to be able to stand up and know um where where your health will go if you don't make changes and the wrong way in particular that he he stood up for was you know like everyone as a footy fan, yeah, I hated to see him not playing anymore, but love to see that the guys, hopefully, you know, I don't know him too well, met him maybe once or twice, but great to see that he looks like and everything I've seen online, that he's found a space where he's happy mm. with Tom Boyd, which is all that counts. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so, yeah, in terms of players, um, not so much. They, they probably hit it well. Um, there's a few that I know of now that obviously have been struggling for quite a while. Um, that have kept it well hidden um, mm. to their own detriment, sadly, and part of that's our own fault. You know, people around him fault for not being open to understanding or listening and not realising what we might have been doing, uh, even though it might have been, would have been subconsciously, not out of any no intent. Um, but certainly nowadays, knowing a few people, certainly work-wise, I've seen a lot more recently and been able to probably have better conversations with them about how to support them and checking in on them and giving and understanding what they need to do. You know, there is a balance when you're in particular running businesses and those sorts of things where um, you've got to find the right balance between stuff around how much how much support, you know, support is endless, yes, um, which I've got no 
clients, but it's just understanding what's best for the individual. And, you know, the individual needs to make that call too. Mm. And so at least we got a lot more conversations than we previously had. And to be honest, it's not, and it's not just sitting around having a beer or a scotch and saying, okay, how are you feeling? It's proper deep conversations, yes. which is great. Yep, I agree, mate. <clears throat> you know, like the, the around the beers and that, it's surface level conversations, which doesn't really, you know, help too much. But uh, I guess what we're, what we're doing up here, and I've been really big on over the last sort of decade, is to be able to have the conversations which you're not comfortable to have because, um, uh, you know, that helps you shift so much uh, primarily and helps you grow and um, what's good about the circles that we do is someone will hear something in themselves in someone else and that helps them feel free enough to open up and talk about what actually it is that, that might be going on um, you know as I said like guys are very good at suppressing emotions but once they sort of see that it's okay to, to talk about whatever then it's it's incredible like it just flows on from one to the next with regards to those sorts of conversations and I just think, you know, guys hold frustration in, they hold anger in, they hold fear in, they hold grief in, all this sort of stuff. And um, once we can let go of that, mate, it's amazing how good we feel. Oh, absolutely. And that's fundamentally the case of what people are chasing is if you can figure out that ultimately we're not all that, it's not, not, not special, we're not all that unique that we're the only ones going through it mm-hmm. and then you hear it through others that they're going through similar things. It just opens up a whole range of things. And by no means am I perfect in the sense of, you know, I have up and down days and have shitty days, but then I'm able to quickly translate with tools to be able to get into the mindset of, okay, how do I relate this to other things? What's the important piece that's driving me? Who am I and why? What's driving me to be in this position and what do I need to do to calm myself and get myself out of it? You know, mini meditation, those Mm. mindfulness stuff is what I do probably unconsciously rather than have to force myself, but I've got there through practice. Yes. Oh, absolutely, mate. It's like anything. If you want to learn to kick on your left foot, you've got to be able to keep uh, keep at it. And if you want to learn how to settle your mind down, you've got to keep at it. Same same thing. You know, I, I yeah. taught a heap of leaders uh, some meditation practices today, and I was the only one with my eyes open, but I could see, see a lot of uncomfortable people. But over time, I saw them let go. And over time, they started to relax and feel comfortable, uh, you know, feeling calm because it's not something that most of us know unless we disconnect from, from our life. We go on holidays and we do these things. Uh, we can do it every day if we actually learn how to do it, I suppose. Uh, yeah, you do, and that whole thing. And, and sort of being through a number of leadership sessions, and, I sort of, and there, there was a lot of that starting to be brought into that mindfulness, giving yourself in the space, that slow, controlled, thoughtful breathing and simplification and yeah it's the practice and yes you're right i wish i was practiced i practiced just as much on my left foot and i might have kept a couple of more sausage rolls in my day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's hard when you uh yeah you, you live near the four and twenty factory <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed as well mate um Really appreciate the chat. I think we've covered a lot with regards to that that balance. Um, you know, I think that's the, the, the big part of this conversation. You've been able to do it well and transition well. And you know, what would be some of the things that you'd um, you'd, you'd sort of, uh, I suppose, uh, suggest to the li- listeners to be able to, um, you know, find their purpose and find their passion and find their drive and be successful in life? Look, I think one of the things that I have is, I have, I have a lot of passion for more than just one thing. Mm. So um, I think if it's just one thing that's all-consuming for all of your passion, I think that's where you've got the vulnerability. So, for example, 
Um, one of the good things that I was able to do through my AFL career, I had a, you know, I was able to get an engineering degree and then go into work. Now, one of the things was I was passionate about both, and you can be passionate about a number of things. I think probably God, you know, people are more vulnerable if there is only one thing in life. You know, I, for me, that's what works. That if I was just purely and only focused on my family, I think that would become too consuming, and my family knows that too. And and that doesn't say you don't sacrifice things, but I'm just saying find a balance of your passions. I think just having one may be too limiting and probably too big a risk that if something goes wrong with that passion or it doesn't work out exactly how you want, yeah, you've got you've lost everything because that's how you see it as a loss. Yes. Um, but if you, I suppose, spread your spread yourself a little bit around that, then at least if something isn't going well. At least you've got some other things that are you know got your attention and your passion and that give you that extra lift. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well said. Very important. Uh, very important if you're finding yourself a bit flat, you know, just, just try and uh, recenter again and, and get back on track with those purposes, I think, is really key. What's your plans yeah. now at 51, Ilya? What do you want to do now for the next decade and beyond that? Uh, so, look, next decade, I want to cement myself. My youngest kid gets out of high school. It's a new phase for Captain myself, my, my wife. Um, we are looking to sort of transition to the phase where we start spending a lot more time focused on us two and not us two slash, well, the kids, then us two. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'd love to be able to position, you know, certainly within the next five or ten years, spending a lot more time closer to you. Um, mm. uh, probably not as high as you up near, you know, Gladstone Way, but certainly around the, you know, the Sunshine Coast areas where I'd love to be a lot more my time there probably three or four weeks a year but not I want to be there a bit more um, and really being able to you know do some more professional gigs you know through my consulting and my building company Kerway Built we've got a number of good you know projects we're working on but sort of establish that with a couple of partners and they're a bit younger so sort of see that through and get them well established and coach and mentor them in the next iteration and sort of step back a bit and um, so, you know probably a bit of a summary smell the roses a bit more um, yeah. and but I'll never be able to sit down, so that's the only problem. Um, <laughs> in terms of, I'll always be active in some way, um, yeah. you know, and business-wise, because I just love it, and I, you know, I believe I can still add value. So whilst I'm doing that, why, why stop? Absolutely, and I think one thing that you'll find valuable is that mentoring. You know, being able to help uh, young people coming through, whether that be sports people or or people in uh, in professional realms. You know, to be able to support them because that's what 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 we miss. You know, what a lot of guys miss. They don't have that that personal role model in their life that they can um, be guided by and uh, you know I think guys are very good at isolating ourselves and not really um, you know focusing on what what could be possible if we actually have someone you know guiding our way and another thing is is a lot of guys don't have those male mentors or father figures in their life you know whether we're young or old we we don't have that sort of direction and that's that's critical to be able to have um, someone become successful at life in more ways than one you know to have someone to look up to and uh, and be able to um, you know connect with regular, I think, is really key. Oh, absolutely! And look, I I sadly lost my father when I was nine through illness, and was able to once I got into a sort of teenage. And my brothers and sisters and everyone sort of helped me out in the community did. But once I got into high school, and as I mentioned, the name Warren Fall, the the school teacher there, my chemistry teacher, and sort of legend of a man, he helped fill in that figure, and then. As you get older, you look for mentors. I was fortunate enough that I searched them, and you'd be surprised. Um, once you teach people what mentoring is about, in terms of the mentee around what you get out of it, 
there's that many people we're more than happy to talk to. Mm-hmm. I'm more than happy. You know, I've even set up a we set up a little bit of a mentoring program at the Bulldogs for some of the first and second year players as they came through over the last couple of years. And you know, we the whole intention is you're just talking general stuff. I'm not there to coach them about football. And likewise with work, I'm just helping them learn from what I what I experienced and what I did. And you know. Guys that are at the top of their game in terms of around the world, CEOs, and they're more than happy to tell you that sort of stuff to anyone that's just a, you know, your local publican talk to you about it, or anyone in the street. Yep. The thing is, is that you can find figures to talk to, and they're more than willing to do it. It's just setting up the forum for it. Yes, that's that's true, mate. Well, I think there's lots of opportunity and lots of potential to, to do that and expand on what's already out there, you know. And that connection is key. I reckon that that connection's key, whether you are. You know, you're in different stages of your life, but also to be able to see where you're at and pass an experience to those younger and have those that are older to be able to pass an experience to you, I think is really, really important. This is where men's mental health has declined a lot because, as I said, we've sort of become isolated and independent in too many ways, but the collaboration and that camaraderie can just help you function better. And um, that's what we sort of need to start to get back towards, um, you know, a bit of that... uh, uh, you know, deep, deep connection and also the ability to be able to, um, uh, I suppose, just, 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 just change the way that we, uh, we see ourselves and see uh, life in general and communication with others in general. I, you know, I know a lot of us uh, could never communicate without having a beer in our hand, but um, eventually if you start doing it once or twice, it becomes sort of more normal and, you know, that's no something we're going to start to get better at too, for sure. Absolutely. Appreciate it, mate. Look, really enjoy the chat. I'm sure we're going to have more in the future. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure plenty will um, take a a lot away from this conversation, that's for sure. No, love it. And thank you so much for reaching out. Any time, look forward to connecting. Hopefully I can get up there and (laughs) drop by and say good day. Yeah, stay warm. (laughs) Cheers, mate. (laughs) Stay warm in winter. (laughs) Yeah.